what is really going on, Crypto Savages. This is your host, C. Edward Kelso, Editor-in-Chief out of Coinspice.io. Back with another episode of the Coinspice Podcast. And this time around, I've got Stephen Harrison. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite writers in that he's able to inject himself into a subject in such a way that even though you think you're you know you kind of know it well he brings to light some of the quirkier aspects uh the funnier aspects there's always a, a bit of, of humor in, in in how he writes but more importantly he he really shines a light on again what the reader maybe had previously thought uh she knew already and i'm speaking here in particular of his take i think it was last summer on the uh the Bitcoin Wikipedia page, and it was a, you know, still is really, but was a giant source of controversy, claims of censorship, um, claims of, uh, you know, conspiracy theories about who controls it, and Stephen Harrison just went out and found out who the curator was. Uh, that's an interesting story. Uh, the background explains so much of why, you know, what's happened has happened. But then more recently, Harrison now uh, has taken up a column with Slate Magazine, uh, the Slate uh, Online, S-L-A-T-E, uh, where he examines Wikipedia in depth. And he's been doing it now for a few months, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, it's the world's you know, largest repository of human knowledge, I think probably ever in, the, in, in you know, the existence of, of humankind. And so it's kind of good to know about its workings and how this fleshes out and what some of the issues are, problems and good and bad and uh, what's great about Harrison is that he gets into Wikipedia. He, you know, he 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 really, really tries to separate out uh, the wheat from the chaff. And fa- just a fascinating guy. And I love his writing. I think you're really going to enjoy the episode. We get into all of that Bitcoin Wikipedia page, uh, the problems with Wikipedia in terms of citations, uh, hoaxes that go on. Uh, he's just a font of knowledge and a fun, fun interview. Really enjoyed this. Another selfish one. Um, I, you know, I can't believe I get paid to do this, so it's fantastic. But in any event, go ahead, grab yourself a glass of milk. I'm not the one to judge you. If you're vegan and you want the whole almond, you know, soy thing, you go ahead and do that. But it's going to get spicy! Without any further ado, here is Stephen Harris. is really going on crypto savages you are listening to the coin spice podcast with host c edward kelso editor-in-chief at coinspice.io your home for spicy crypto things on the net so it's rare that i get a chance to uh you know kind of talk to someone i i, I really admire in the journalism space and a stephen harrison article is, is at this point mandatory reading and i didn't connect you um to slate and to a previous article I'd read on um, the author of the Wikipedia Bitcoin page until I secured this interview, actually. So anyway, I'm super happy to have you here. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much, Edward. Happy to be here. Very, very cool. So first off, you have now made it a kind of a cottage industry to cover Wikipedia. And my guys are and gals are, are very technical, and so... I know they know what Wikipedia is, but just in case someone, you know, from the future <clears throat> after the apocalypse, apocalypse rather, comes down 
and has no idea what Wikipedia is. Can you can you kind of explain to our listeners first off what Wikipedia is or is supposed to be? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. We gotta we gotta keep the content evergreen, right? But um, <laughs> so uh, you know, Wikipedia is the fifth fifth largest website in the world. It's actually the only nonprofit in the top ten um, uh, based on the traffic that it receives, and it's a open uh, crowdsource encyclopedia. Um, where the volunteers uh, contribute and add information. And, and there are several Wikipedia or Wikimedia projects. That, uh, Wikipedia in English, I think, has about 6 million articles, and that's, that's uh, the largest. And, and then there's also, I think, about 137 other, other different languages that have uh, Wikipedia instances. But it's a large internet encyclopedia. One, one of the things that I realized pretty early on as I started covering this space is just how much you can, you know, we've all, Millennials, especially, I'd say, have come. Millennials, Gen X, Gen Y. We've all, you know, visited Wikipedia, you know, many hundreds of times. But oh, now, yeah. even on a day like an off day, when you don't visit Wikipedia, you're being affected by its information in your in your Google Knowledge Panel or you know on Facebook. You start to see because the uh, and the informational clips that are coming through are being sourced from Wikipedia because of the Creative Commons license, and so. Um, even if you're not like a huge Wikipedia fan, you're just receiving that information just by being nature of being active on the internet. It is a beast, and it is uh, it is a um, an, an information. Well, you know, arguably, I don't even know if it's even arguable anymore. It's it's the greatest, uh, the largest uh, repository of human knowledge to have ever been been assembled, as far as I'm aware. Is do you think that's putting too much on it? <laughs> you know, I, I think it's. Um, I, I do think that's fair to say that it's the largest assembly of human knowledge. It's hard because, you know, previous to this, we didn't have the, right. the technology in order to create it. But I, th I think it's fair to say that it is the largest, you know, informational source um, based on collaborative in input. And um, regardless of whether the forum stays in Wikipedia or not, it will just definitely have an impact for generations. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. And uh, I, I have no doubt at all that people uh, rely upon it uh, almost religiously as gospel. Um, less so as time goes on and uh, we're all as a culture all around the world becoming a little bit more media savvy, um, hopefully. Um, and so anyway, that brings us to why, and you, you sort of answered it, but why, why, why did you decide to write about this subject? What, what, what about Wikipedia attracted you personally to, to now kind of documenting it, uh, 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 you know, really a thousand different ways? Oh man, I, I, I do tell people it is the most random thing that I've started <laughs> writing about Wikipedia over the past <laughs> two or three years. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a tech lawyer actually by profession. I, I work here in Texas and um, I uh, had started just doing some freelance writing about just kind of op-ed pieces um, about interesting subjects that I came across. One of them that I wrote is after having this conversation, honestly, at bars a few times, <laughs> it was, it was why I didn't think you should call Alexa Alexa, like like the wake word, I thought should be um, you know something else, something maybe more generic, uh, like <laughs> computer, and that's good for non proprietary, non proprietary. That's right, yeah, not, or and same for Siri for Apple. Like let's let's pick something generic and non proprietary. And after I wrote that, um, an editor at the Outline, which is kind of a new media or culture website, uh, reached out and said, "Hey, we've got you know some more regular think pieces. Would you write like to write a little bit more regularly?" And one of the features they were thinking about was called Wikipedia, which was just review a Wikipedia article 
like a book review. Uh, just kind of give it the traditional book review treatment. It's, it's an interesting conceit, right? Because a Wikipedia article doesn't just have one author typically. There's, you know, it's a collaboratively written right. work. Um, well, and, you know, I, I got, so I started, uh, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's an odd idea. And then I kind of just went at it and like I had, had some ideas for it and, you know, I, you know, I thought it'd be kind of fun to do. And, um, and then just being the nature of like online publishing, like, well, that, that uh, feature was like really quickly canned and that kind of stuff. But I had all this, had all these ideas, you know, in the back of my head, just cause I was intrigued by it. And, you know, I was one of those people who had just read Wikipedia, you know, kind of passively, you know, uh, as, as subjects came up, I, I, I'd read the Bitcoin article on Wikipedia. I read about cloud computing on Wikipedia. You know, it was just one of the sources I started with, and then I'd go on to other sources. But really, my kind of epiphany moment was I was in New York traveling for business, and I was by the, and, and I was looking up a Wikipedia station, or a subway station's Wikipedia article. It was 96 in Broadway. And it was the most detailed Wikipedia page, not not even for the subway line, but for this one individual station, and it was <laughs> you know it was it was so in depth and well written and, and you know just rich content actually, and I was like, who has time to write this stuff? Like you know who who? Uh, and so I just needed to know. I looked it up, and there were two main authors behind pretty much all, and I think there are about five hundred Wikipedia pages related to the New York subway. Pretty much behind all of them, there were two names. I looked them up and, you know, I got to know those editors and it's like a 17 year old uh, high school student, Shaw Picker Whoa. and a 19 year old college student, Ryan Ng. Yeah, no, it, it blew my mind that, you know, th these were our subject matter experts who were, you know, telling something like a hundred thousand people a year read, read those articles and um, about the subway. And, and, you know, that from there I kind of, you know, went, I aimed a little higher with that piece. I pitched it to the New York times and they took it and, from there, I've just I've written about twenty or so pieces in publications like New York Times, Washington Post, um, Slate, and uh, and others. And I've just really found this kind of fun niche that I really enjoy, and it kind of touches uh, a lot of the things I'm interested in personally. And um, pretty grateful for it, actually. Yeah, and and it, and you do a fantastic job. I like I said in the in the intro, it is it is mandatory reading when your articles pop up, and now you're on Slate. But before we get to Slate and uh, the Cytogenesis article that was, you know, really the impetus for, for my reaching out to you, um, it's a nice transition, actually, to talk about um, one of the more controversial pages, at least it was in, in our, uh, in, uh, in CoinSpice circles, in cryptocurrency circles, and that's the, uh, the Wikipedia uh, Bitcoin page. And for, in case you're unaware, we're... We, we like the currency side of the cryptocurrency, so there is a, a kind of a, a really strange debate when you speak to people outside of our, our little community here where they just kind of look at you like, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. But there's a debate about you know, what Bitcoin means, and, and it, it becomes very, very, very heated very fast. And the Bitcoin um, Wikipedia page became a, a, ver a very big source of ire and controversy and so on, and you really took the veil off of what it is and, and at least how it came about. I'm not sure where it is right now in terms of its authorship, but um, you, you, as, as you explained, you were piqued by the, the idea and then, and then you discovered who the, who you thought maybe the Bitcoin bro uh, behind the, the, uh, the, the Bitcoin Wikipedia page was who, who, who was it? 
Yeah, I was expecting, as you said, a Bitcoin bro, but it, it was this guy, his name's Ladislav Messier. He's a 57-year-old grandfather in the Czech Republic outside Prague. <laughs> and, you know, I think I, I kind of was expecting a little bit more sinister story. I think, you know, since I wrote the piece, sure. people say, oh, well, he's a deletionist. He, he just, you know, he's, he's, he's more closed-minded about things. But, but I, in general, I think he's pretty pretty much in it just because he's interested in the subject matter. Um, this guy, Ladislav, and he's the most prolific contributor at the time. He was, um, this is about a year ago, most prolific, prolific contributor by far to the Bitcoin Wikipedia page. Yep. Um, and he just wanted to know how it worked. And, um, and you know, as you said, this, this, it was a real, it's a real flashpoint in the community. They, you know, should, should the history of Bitcoin be part of the uh, Wikipedia page? Should, um, uh, you know, should, should that, that that be a separate article. Um, to, to me, it was interesting, and you know, I, I I always have the philosophy of you know just put it out there and let people react how they will. But you know, sure, you know, found out about who it was. It was Ladislav Messier. He's a 57 year old grandfather, and he owns no Bitcoin. Like he he didn't have you know a vested interest in it, and and that to me was really interesting. He's pretty soft spoken, soft spoken guy. Um, just trying to figure out how this works. You know, the other thing that was really interesting about him, he, he lives in Prague. But he grew up in the Soviet Union, and he said, "This, this was this was such a great point that you brought out in that article." Sorry to interrupt. I have a habit of doing that. No, um, no, I, but, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think. Uh, but, but I just get um, excited because it's like I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. <laughs> that that was such an amazing thing that you brought out because I was ready to pounce. I'm like, ah, oh, we found this guy out. Da, 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 da. Uh -huh. And then you you just so warmly and lovingly kind of went into look. This is who the dude is. And that he was 57 years old just cracked me up. That he owned no Bitcoin cracked me up. And that's, in, in our world, that's a big deal. Uh, but um, yeah. but that, that, he, that he'd actually come from, and obviously because of his age, lived through a pretty repressive time, um, I guess informed his, his, the way he, he approached Wikipedia and why he found so much value there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know, growing up in the Soviet Union, he said, you know, I hate censorship. And so, you know, there are people who say, hey, we should take down the Bitcoin Wikipedia page because, um, you know, it's encouraging people to make this investment and stuff like that. He said, no, no, I don't want censorship. He's not going to let that kind of deletionism take over. The other thing is, and, and you know, I tried to raise in the article, too. I think the reason he, and it's a little bit of a psychological point, is he kind of saw, you know, the for, foresaw the end of the Soviet Union. He kind of felt that trend coming. And when with Bitcoin, the subject matter, he or you know crypto, um, he he kind of thought that he was seeing something like that, something transformative. And so that's why he's just at the very least, he wants to be a very active observer on the topic. And you know, it's it's you know you can uh, you know it's, it's it's an interesting point that he doesn't own own any Bitcoin, but right. at the same time, he's preventing the article uh, from a lot of vandalism a lot of people are trying to say hey i'm satoshi nakamoto i invented yep. bitcoin and so he takes down that vandalism too and that's that's i think you know a good thing um i i, I don't know what you think but i don't think satoshi nakamoto is gonna uh reveal himself on the bitcoin wikipedia page oh <laughs> uh, you just stepped into it um I'm, uh, I, yeah. oh my god this is a right you know again for people outside of the space and you know it's like who effing cares but for us, this is, you know, a, a major form of – CoinSpice has kind of an editorial policy right now that, you know, moving on. You know, it almost doesn't matter at this point. It's kind of like – it really is a – just this, this between you and I. 
uh-huh. it's kind of a, a, a the, the closest way I can describe it to people, uh, the, sort of the best uh, analogy is a, a religious idea that so the the Christ-like figure comes down, he he you know reveals everything, and then he takes off for two thousand years. So the 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 OGs, the apostles of 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 the Christ-like Bitcoin idea, <laughs> are left with writings supposedly attributed to him, uh, things that he said or didn't say. Uh, there's all these random emails. Everything else. So we don't, of course, know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, but there's at least one vociferous claimant. Um, there's more, but there's one that has really kind of pushed it. And uh, our sort of editorial policy now is to just kind of go, moving. Like, you just, <laughs> until there's absolute proof, until he comes back from heaven, or however you want to interpret it, <laughs> we're just done with it. But uh, yeah, it, it, and the, the Wikipedia Bitcoin page became a place where that war was, was for sure played out. Uh, he is, he isn't, uh, here's the evidence and whatever. And so a uh, lot of Slav was, you know, kind of caught in the middle of, wait, how do I broach this subject? So, um, right. Right. I, right. <laughs> I think the deeper insight that you really hit though was, you know, think, think about how repressive living under, um, Soviet uh, satellite rule was. And then all of a sudden, you know, having access to libraries and libraries and libraries filled with information and how much this guy values uh, what, what he does. And um, so if anything, I have to tip my hat to him because you know, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree that, uh, you know, and he, I, at first, I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but he was saying he sort of taught himself some computer programming concepts using Wikipedia. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, in, in any case, like, whether you're, you know, reading the material or whether you're writing the material, there's there's a lot of learning involved in writing a Wikipedia page and um, uh, or, or gleaning information from it. And, and so uh, definitely that educational motive, I think, is a big part of it. And also um, guys like uh, Nathaniel Popper of the New York Times who wrote a book called uh, Digital Gold, which is more or less the, the definitive early history as far as uh, mainstream is concerned. Um, he has said as a, as a uh, matter of his sort of journalistic integrity that he holds no Bitcoin. And that allows him to, you know, not be, you know, theoretically um, swayed by price swings hither or thither, or, you know, any of the other insider debate. So that, that could be, whereas we would, we'd call him, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say it. Uh, we'd call Ladislav a no coiner. <laughs> okay. Okay. No coiner. Um, yeah. Right, right, right. It's almost a pejorative. It actually, it isn't, but it, it, it kind of like says who you are. You know what I mean? Like, ah, eh, you don't have any skin in the game. Um, you know, Popper would then kind of come back and say, well, you know, actually you're the one with, with the bias here. So, um, I find the discussion fascinating and your article brilliant. Um, did, did it cause you at all to, to investigate further into Bitcoin? Uh, what's, what's your, what's your interaction with, with cryptocurrency general? You know, I'm not, uh, I might be like the New York times uh, writer that you mentioned, <laughs> but, but I, w- I would say that, um, you know, the one fabulous thing about writing these articles is you get a lot of email feedback afterwards, and, you know, um, and, you know, some, some good, some kind of scary, but mo- for the most part, I just say, <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think I learned a lot. I'm kind of, um, and, and, and these aren't easy questions, right? Like even a thing of like, whether 
hey, should history of Bitcoin be separate than Bitcoin? Uh, there, there's arguments uh, on both sides, actually, um, for, for any of these. These are sort of, um, they're knowledge questions, but they're also just inherently emotional. <laughs> and um, I, I like following them uh, in some ways like a referee, as you mentioned. Yeah, I was going to say, you, uh, you took the word right out of my mouth. You're calling balls and strikes in a sense. Um, but you're also, <clears throat> again, you're, you're, you're enough removed from the space to give us a nice lens uh, in on it. So I, I definitely appreciated that. That was a fantastic article. So, so to kind oh, of, you. yeah, uh, it really is. And uh, we'll link to all this in the, in, in the show notes so people can get a chance to, uh, to, to read up on, on what exactly it is that we're referring to. Um, your more recent piece actually has come by way of a column in Slate, which I believe either you're the curator of or you're at least a, a, a huge part of it. It's called Source Notes. Can, can you kind of explain that, that relationship a little bit? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I now am a columnist. It's, uh, you know, two years into this, I, I have a regular column in Slate. And, you know, who would have thought that Wikipedia and this idea of digital knowledge would, would be enough fertile territory to be its own column? But I think the reading community has really reacted to it. And I think that that's kind of a really, you know, happy that Slate decided to launch this. I think, um, I think it'll be really interesting, not, not just even for this year, but like, you know, for, for a while, a long while, hopefully. But Source Notes, it covers uh, Wikipedia digital knowledge kind of, um, and, and by that we mean just like, you know, facts and information that's online and kind of just this idea of how to think about epistemology. You know, I, I don't know if you use that word as much, but it's, um, it was new sure, to me for sure. a while. It was, it's, it's the idea of the theory of knowledge and how, how does it, how, how should we think about it now when knowledge is not so much discovered, it, it, you know, that, that's a more shallow way to think about it, but it, it's, it's developed, like we're developing knowledge and it's going online and, you know, I'm just, I'm just loving the, uh, the, the different angles that you can take with it. You know, if, if I write about Wikipedia forever, I, I think I'll be perfectly happy because it's not, you get to cover so much with it. You get to you know, talk about Wikipedia, you get to talk about medicine, you get to talk about, um, my latest was on, you know, how, how information, you know, on Wikipedia can end up elsewhere. Um, it, it's just really interesting stuff. It, it really is. And Wikipedia has now been around for what, 18 years? Yeah, Wikipedia celebrated its 18th birthday, and so it's an old man by internet standards, but I, sure. I do like to think of it as just like a very young adult. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right, and also Slate, if I, if I remember correctly, and, and again, this shows you what an unprofessional I am, um, I could have done my research here via Wikipedia. Um, Slate, <laughs> has, uh, uh, Slate, if I remember correctly, was started by Michael Kinsley, uh, who I knew from Crossfire fame. Here's, here's a reference you're not going to get all the time um on cnn when it was um he and pat buchanan is am, am i do you know if i'm getting that right hey crypto savages this is c edward kelso breaking in with a quick and very shameless plug coinspice.io is a feisty pirate ship we depend to rely on almost entirely organic growth which means our audience really does the marketing for us and there's nothing more powerful than word of mouth if you read an article you like on coinspice.io if you listen to a podcast and you enjoy the content or if you're just pissed please <laughs> promote us on social media wherever you're at wherever that is whether it's reddit whether it's uh, youtube uh, the telegram uh, you know you name it the twitter like us retweet all that great stuff 
You can always find detailed show notes for every podcast on the corresponding page at coinspice.io. There you'll find links to our respective podcast, your favorite platform like iTunes. Please give us a, a, a rating. Please give us a subscribe. You know all that good stuff. It helps the pirate ship remain afloat. It keeps us going. We appreciate it. As always, you can contact me personally if you have questions, concerns, you want to hear from a particular guest, you have a news tip at Kelso, K-E-L-S as in Sam O, at Coinspice.io. Thanks again for listening. We sure do appreciate it. And back to the episode. You know, that sounds right. I, 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 I should be a better slater myself. <laughs> but I would say it's, it's, it's editorial team from the new... New Republic, right? Is the who we're talking about? But. Right. right. If only, if only there were an online source we could both check. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, you can't trust Wikipedia. No, I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, well, okay. So, in any case, Slate, I would say if if you want to give it a bias, uh, would tend to lean progressive, um, in the U.S. sense of that word politically. But I don't get any of that from your articles necessarily, uh, your columns seem to be kind of straight no chaser about the tension that you just described, which is, you know, Wikipedia as the source and then Wikipedia as the source. And, you know, it it is in in many ways decentralized and all the open source, it's sort of the logical extension of cypherpunks and, um, the open source community and all the, all the wonderful things that we celebrate here. Uh, but there are also some, some interesting dangers that you touch on in the internet's um, kind of, I guess you, you can call, you, you're calling it a cytogenesis problem. Um, but uh, well, let's, let's start here. Who was, who was Dr. Heilman and, and, and how did, how did you come upon him? Oh yeah. He's coming to two of my pieces now. You know, he goes by uh, Doc James on Wikipedia and, you know, I, I came across him probably just because I saw his username so much, but, but you know, he, he's done some interesting things on Wikipedia. Um, as, as a doctor, he's emergency room physician in Canada. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was maybe 2012, when we had the Ebola outbreak, um, he kind of had this insight, and I think it was a really key insight. He, while he worked in the emergency room in Canada, he actually went to the ER and he said, hey, you know, while, you know, I'm doing good here, I actually could do a lot more good if you just give me a few days to be my my computer, right? And I'll be by Wikipedia, you know, to monitor the Ebola articles. And it it made sense. Something like I think sixty percent of people were getting information about Ebola from Wikipedia, and, and you know he was just making sure that it was accurate in multiple languages, and that the information about its transmission and you know its prevalence and stuff was accurate. To kind of thinking about a public health crisis, and I was like, I, I thought that was that was actually really smart. Um, and this is kind of maybe sort of when I was having a turning point about, you know, the quality of information on Wikipedia is, you know, as you said, sort of mixed, but I think, you know, some of the medical articles tend to be some of the, some of the better ones. Right. And it's partly because that's that's what he said, right. He said it actually is not, not all that bad. Yeah, it's not all that bad. And, um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I was trying to get some research one way or the other on that. Um, but one, one of the studies that I think was really key that was, um, done on that is they gave, um, medical students uh, uh, a standardized test and um, the, the, uh, not the bar exam, I'm a lawyer, but you know, it re- resembles the board exam 
sure. and it has you know Wikipedia up to date, which is sort of like a paid subscription service for physicians and medical professionals, and then um, a textbook, Harrison's Anatomy, and uh, and then the students afterwards were retested based on that source that they had, and actually the students who had Wikipedia did the best; they outperformed. And um, awesome, I believe and, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I was trying to push them like, well, well, why, why did the Wikipedia uh, students outperform? And it was like it's pretty user friendly. You know, you we've used it for so long that we forget how easy it is that everything that there are all these inline links and like the articles are connected and they're you know that's kind of growing really quickly and um, it's it's very current um, and, uh, and 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 the, the yeah, accuracy, right? Like you know, it's um, since that it was actually I think a two thousand six Nature study that that showed that um, Wikipedia, or, or indicated that Wikipedia was as accurate or as inaccurate, um, had the same amount of inaccuracies as Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> at the time, right? You know. a, lot, a lot of the people who are listening have no idea what you're referring to. Oh, yeah, okay, this, I mean, this is a yeah. turning point for Wikipedia, right? It's um, that, and you know, it, it, and it, it also, like, yeah, I, I don't know, uh, yeah, it seems far back, but it's not that far back, really. That you know, Microsoft had uh, had Encarta, and there was Encyclopedia Britannica, and they were, you know, sort of not yet completely thrown in by Wikipedia. But those then, those dudes used to come door to door. They, they would oh, tell it sure. to you. You know, there was the World Book. There was a couple other ones, but they they would come door to door. And if you were a parent and you had a a, a child uh, of, of school age. Uh, you you know you got that acidy taste in the back of your throat by turning him away, the encyclopedia yeah, salesman, yeah. because you thought, well, gee whiz, I want to give my kid, and they, uh, you know, I'm gonna make, I'm totally pulling this out of my butt, but I, I remember them being like a thousand dollars or something crazy, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 monthly <laughs> plans and shit. So it's like, this was a big deal to be compared to the Encyclopedia Britannica, held on par, right, and then in some cases surpass it. So that's, that's no small point. Oh yeah. It's huge. And it, you know, it greatly upset them, but um, especially Encyclopedia Britannica, because you know, like you said, it was a thousand dollar product and it's very labor intensive to put a, right. put an encyclopedia together. But um, you know, that, that was a real turning point for the, for the community. It, it, you know, that, that with Heilman, the, the first article about him was a little bit more, I'd say pro Wikipedia, the information on Wikipedia. And, and I've since written some that are, that are a little bit maybe more critical, but um, trying to trying to kind of keep that balance. Yeah, and and it's it's wonderful. So Heilman uh, resurfaces recently in the internet's dizzying cytogenesis problem, um, and you go into a brilliant. It's it's a quick piece. It's not you know super long or or laborious. So it's a really nice read, but it'll get you thinking about sort of in that meta fashion that you're famous for, thinking about thinking about thinking, and. You you talk about Heilman and how he started to look at the sources that, and the sources were actually citing Wikipedia sources on the Wikipedia page, and all, and I became this kind of I don't want to be gross, but a a, a circle J right, and so, um, how does so let, let's get into some of the some of the the, the quicker things here like uh, the the Jared Owens hoax that's that's fascinating to me. Yeah yeah I I know you're. <laughs> your 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 listeners can't see it, but I'm making a uh, circle circle with my because that's that's what cytogenesis is this idea that something comes um, from Wikipedia and then it goes into the news and then 
that news citation becomes a, or that news source becomes a citation back on Wikipedia. So like, like as you said, it's completely circular. And yeah, Gerardo Owens, or Gerardo Wins hoax is a user, um, he, he went to the Wikipedia article and, um, and, you know, his name was probably Jared Owens, right? Uh, but he, uh, <laughs> he created this sort of fictitious Australian Aboriginal god. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, J- Jared Owens, right? Jared Owens. And then it gets picked up and, you know, all these news sources. And, and then actually, you know, it, it's been included in books by, you know, scholars about Aboriginal culture. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and it lasted for 10 years, you know. <laughs> and why can something like that fly under the radar? Well, not everyone's looking up Australian Aboriginal deities, but, <laughs> but you, know, it's, <laughs> um, you know, in all fairness, you know, who knows how many people were looking at that article, but just to it, tell you it, how sick my humor is. I love this stuff. Okay. So oh, I, I oh, understand, I, I understand that people get very upset and they put their hearts and my uh, hearts and bodies into uh, producing <laughs> their, their papers and so on. But it's, it's the sort of the Howard Stern Baba Booey phenomenon made, made flesh. So Howard Stern, of course, shock jock, all the rest of it. Uh, he had a producer named Gary Delabate who he made fun of incessantly that became a sort of a meme before memes existed on the show of calling him Baba Booey. And so Howard Stern listeners, because Howard was kind of considered this bad boy thing was kind of set aside. His listeners would go out and really <laughs> uh, get in between a news coverage and a very serious story. Um, say the OJ chase. And uh, there's a, I I may be mixing it all up now. So, so don't quote me on this. You have to go to Wikipedia. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) So OJ's being chased or whatever. And then Peter Jennings, who at the time was sort of our Walter Cronkite, which again, I'm all these references. No one has any idea what I'm talking about, Uh, but he was a very trusted name in news. You know, on the line, we have so-and-so who's right there watching the, you know, as you know, who's, who's, you know, a, a great source of information about OJ and all that's going on right now. And, so the guy gets on, and I, I'm actually watching this live, and I know the voice, even though he says, yeah, my name is, you know, John, you know, John Smith, and I'm right here looking at OJ or whatever, and I'm like, wait, well, I know that voice, because I, you know, listened to Stern on the radio, and it was Captain Jenks, who was this autonomous, supposedly autonomous guy that would just go out and phony, phone call, prank the news media, and so Jennings in, uh, basically interviews Captain Jenks as if, uh, he doesn't know he's Captain Jenks, but Captain Jenks is if he's, you know, the Dalai Lama or <laughs> you know, some really legitimate, you know, can you tell us what you're seeing? You know, yes, Peter, I see. And all of a sudden he comes out with Baba Booey, Baba Booey. And then, of course, Al Michaels has to get on and tell P- Peter, Peter, he's, hang up on him. He's, he's joking. Peter's, you know, already with a follow-up. So you say there's a Baba and a Booey, you know what I mean? It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and, and so everybody else was like, oh, could you take this double murder tragedy? And I was, I was like, okay that's shrill and you're missing the, the genius of what just happened you he broke the matrix he red pilled a whole generation on don't trust these fools don't trust them don't do it so i think the jared owens idea um is is along those lines do you do you agree or do you just find him just terribly annoying <laughs> well you know i i kind of sort of as you probably seen from my columns i'm like like kind of two two minds about it like there is like you know, a public health reason sometimes, or like a public service of like having good information about, um, 
uh, you know, Ebola, for example, uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of people, sometimes they learn about different technologies and stuff from Wikipedia, but you kind of admit that there's a certain, uh, as you said, intelligence or creativity for something like the Juretta wins or, <laughs> or, you know, my other favorite is I wrote about the curling, the sport of curlings uh, Wikipedia page. And every year, every four years during the Olympics, right, there's just like this huge battle. And I think it reflects the fact that a lot of people are like, you know, they don't take curling seriously. And so I don't believe they, that for a second. <laughs> or or they, they, they get angry that it is a sport that, you know, there are, there are. So people will, will, will classify and say, well, it's in the Olympics. It's not a sport or they'll, they'll do kind of the Bart Simpson thing, you know, where he's writing on the board, the same few lines over and over. They'll put curling. It's not a sport. Curling is not a sport. Um, there was, there was one, that, and I forget the curler's name, but he basically, they basically just kept changing his article to say that he was Super Mario. And this guy, if you look at this guy, he has a Super Mario mustache. He kind of looks like a short Italian plumber guy. <laughs> he does look just like, um, uh, you know, just like, a, uh, just like that character. And so, so you got to admit some of the, some of the vandalism is, is really funny. And I think, I think it can be done in a way that it is, um, uh, what, what, what would you call the, the Howard Stern thing, a parody or, you know, right. uh, pointing to things. I think that could be done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, you know, I, I don't think Howard Stern or Captain Jinx were trying to do any, you know, kind of, you know, Permanent disruptive media yeah, yeah. critique or anything, but they wound yeah, yeah. up bumping into it. I think uh, Stalin's toilet is something I learned from you. Uh, yeah. Is hilarious. Uh, can you go into that just a little bit? Oh yeah. Well, there's this major street in Berlin. And if you've got, some German listeners, they'll probably, uh, you know, know what I'm talking about, but it's uh, a major uh, boulevard or a major street in Berlin. And in 2009, an anonymous editor said that the Karl Marx alley, this major boulevard um, said it, it was like the nickname for it or the, the, um, you know, what, what people were actually calling it was Stalin's bathroom or Stalin's toilet. Right. And, um, and, so once that's on Wikipedia, these like newspapers um, start quoting that, right? And, 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 and in fairness to journalists, I, I'm, I'm of two minds about this. Journalists, especially now with the economics of journalism, they have to go really fast, right, to get the, get the content out. Yep. Um, they're, they're, they're really relying on Wikipedia. That's one. Two, there's, there's no excuses. You can't use Wikipedia as your, sole, as your sole source for an article. Just because Wikipedia says a street is called Stalin's Toilet doesn't mean that you can... You, you know, you can write about that as a journalist. So that's, that's um, you know, on the journalist, right, for, for this happening in part. But so the journalist wrote a newspaper article or journalist wrote a newspaper article um, in German newspapers talking about how this major street, everyone's calling it Stalin's bathroom, Stalin's toilet. And from that, some information that was originally unsourced on Wikipedia, didn't have any source for it, the Stalin's toilet name, um, now has a... A legitimate newspaper uh, link in the article um, saying that, yeah, this is, you know, according to this XYZ newspaper, it is, it is um, known as the street. And that's when, this is what, what I think is the real twist, the original editor who made the change in, on Wikipedia uh, and called it Stalin's Toilet, he was a journalist and he, he kind of raised his hand and say, hey guys, I I just made this up. Like FYI, I just made this up. This is a great twist. Yeah, right. this, this is the best twist. I love this. And so he tried to take it down 
And other editors on the site said, well, no, like this isn't major publications. <laughs> you know, this, they, 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 they kind of weren't getting it. They were saying like, you can remove information that's unsourced, but this is sourced information. So to undo his Wikipedia vandalism, which, um, you know, a good, I guess good citizen that he was, he wrote in his, the newspaper that he worked, because it turns out he was a journalist, that he, all, he, only, he made this up and he's, you know, sorry about it. And in fact, this was just something that came out of nowhere and, and not actually a, a common name for the street. And from having that sort of citation, this the, the citation that sort of um, was a counter-reference to the original article, with that counter-reference, they were able to remove the bad information from Wikipedia. So it just shows, <laughs> you know, how, is especially when information comes in that's unsourced, that it can just... Uh, promulgate and just become this um, this circular issue. And and yeah. Randall Monroe, who made the who coined the term cytogenesis, I got to give props to him. He you know I think he had this idea that this was happening and it couldn't happen. And it's just now been a few years and we've got a few examples of it. And so we know it does happen. That information, unsourced information on Wikipedia, can just um, go through major publications and 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 the, as you said, this circle just kind of keeps happening. And I. I am of the opinion, <clears throat> and it doesn't really matter what I think, they want to hear what you think, but I'm of the opinion <laughs> that it very much mirrors crypto and uh, cryptocurrency in the sense that we're all kind of discovering what this is. I know it's been 20 years out, and you know, since 1994, we've had something akin to the web. We, we still don't really know what it is that we're doing with this idea of all this information and, and all this out there. I, I'm of the opinion that Wikipedia is, is first off, a great benefactor to, to humanity, but also the model it uses of move fast, break things, a la um, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, and getting it out there and then sort of backtracking. I think, it, although it, you know, it's sloppy to those in the profession and those who want to be careful and so on, I, I think it's, it's kind of, it, it sort of highlights to me that it, it really has always been the case that these guys and gals who are gatekeepers of information have always sort of cited one another as authorities and they've always kind of done this. It's just, it's taken, you know, kind of a, a this, this weird motley crew, this, this melange of strange people and, and decentralized um, uh, comings together to reveal it in the open. So I don't think it's necessarily a Wikipedia problem so much as it is a finally we're acknowledging kind of sort of the inherent problem of appeals to authority. Did I make any sense at all? No, no. First of all, as you said, I love this kind of meta stuff. I think this, you're probably right that in the sense that the knowledge, um, you know, in the back in the days of traditional gatekeepers and for your listeners, I think, you know, what I mean by gatekeepers is like the professionals, like if, if, if the experts were academics or had this right. credential or, or, um, you know, traditional media gatekeepers, things like that. You know, I think, I think you're probably right that they kind of were, were kind of getting the information from each other and it was a lot more of a kind of a collaborative kind of made up thing. Anyway, Wikipedia is so hard because I, I kind of, it's got like three, kind of conflicting strands is the way I see it. It's got this kind of utopian strand of, you know, let's get the, the free knowledge out there. And like you right. said, it's a great benefactor for humanity. And that almost seems, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's just, it's, it's just a, 
uh, non-profit motive that, and I think a lot of, I'd say a lot of the editors have that sincerely. That's, that's kind of what motivates them, right? Two, there, there is now, especially uh, a really bureaucratic strand. And there are a lot of articles that, you know, are very hard to edit because if you make a change to that, you've got, especially with mobile technology, you've got, you know, a thousand people watching that article and they're going to, you know, undo it or they're going to say, you know, they're going to dispute your sources. And so it's, it's, it's not actually um, completely free reign anymore um, because of the bureaucracy. Right. But third, there is, and as what you pointed to this libertarian or anarchical thread of, um, you know, for a lot of the content of like, let's just do it and let's just be bold. Um, be bold is one of the uh, five pillars of Wikipedia and, um, and it's had it for 18 years. And um, the people who are kind of like, well, the philosophy of it is eventualism that, you know, maybe the article right. is really short right now. It's a stub or something like that. And it'll get better over time. Or maybe it's got some inaccuracies in it and it'll get over over time. But um, it's, it's better to kind of have that freedom. A lot of people think than to put some clear rules because with the cytogenesis problem, they could have maybe solved it by saying, okay, every new source or in every, every new bit of content on Wikipedia, um, uh, would have to would require a secondary source to add it. Like they, there's a technological way to do that actually, but the Wikipedia community does doesn't want that. They don't want that kind of because it would slow slow down the spread of free knowledge in their view. And I think a lot right. of them saying that's not what we want this project to be. But yeah, as you said, there's definitely a libertarian uh, thread um, that's, that's a pretty big undercurrent in Wikipedia. Wow. Um, I have learned a ton uh, through your writing, and you were so gracious to come on. Uh, I realize you're slammed with uh, everything that that you do. Um, where can people, if they if they want to follow you or find more of your work, where where can they 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 find you on the web? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd say you know follow me on Twitter or stephenharrison.com. Uh, I've got all got my articles up there. I've got a newsletter. Um, yeah, just I'm just excited. I think there's more to come. I'm pretty pumped for it. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, Stephen Harrison is mandatory reading. Um, you know, whether you're, you know, into Wikipedia or not, it's just, it's one of these things that when it comes up, you just know you're going to learn something. Um, I, I refer to him as, as kind of dessert reading. So I get through with some other things and then I go to my Stephen Harrison article and boom, there he is. Uh, it's, 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 it's nourishing. It's, it's good. It makes you, you know, kind of sit back and, and look at the world a slightly different. And I, I really cannot pay a, a higher compliment to, to an author. So Thanks for all you do. Thanks for coming on, man. And, uh, and best of luck. Thanks so much. Edward. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.